HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Well, hello. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It is Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. This is our 360th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, I am back at our Heritage Radio studio in Brooklyn, New York, with an amazing New York City-based chef, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, then later, we'll have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to know that you don't need to be fancy to be good. Keeping things simple and true to their identity can be as amazing, if not better, than the more complex stuff. The late Julia Child said, you don't have to cook fancy or complicated masterpieces, just good food from fresh ingredients. And a side note on that, give myself a little plug, speaking of Julia, I was a guest recently on episode 192 of Inside Julia's Kitchen, a fellow Heritage Radio show hosted by Todd Shulkin, um, which was broadcast on May 4th, so you could check that out. And we talked a lot about my new book, ChefWise. So back to my tip. Also, the late Anthony Bourdain wrote in his influential book, Kitchen Confidential, that good food is, off, is very often, even most often, simple food. So let's embrace the unfancy, knowing that good is simply good. That's my tip today. Okay, I'm super excited to be back in our studio with my guest today, who is Harold Moore. He is the Chief Culinary Officer for Charlie Palmer Collective. Harold, who began his cooking career at restaurants in his home state of New Jersey, graduated from the Culinary Institute of America, and then worked in several acclaimed New York City restaurants, including Danielle, John George, and March. He made his mark as executive chef at the famed three-star French restaurant Montrachet in Tribeca, where he was nominated by the James Beard Foundation for its Rising Star Chef of the Year Award, among other accolades that he received. Harold opened his first New York City restaurant, Commerce, in the West Village in 2008, followed by Harold's at the Arlo Soho and Bistro Pierre Lapin. And as a side say his charity project he's been doing now. He's been making these epic coconut cakes and uh, donating, donating some proceeds for them to, or all the proceeds, to Make-A-Wish Metro New York. Without further ado, hi, Harold. Hey, how are you? I'm good. So good to be here. So good to have you. I like doing the in-person in 
Brooklyn studio. It's fun. People watch you. It's lively. Feels good. Yes, we look out and look at the Roberta's Pizza and yes. get hungry. So, well, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm I'm excited to hear your story. I mean, I gave the the brief bio on you, but why don't you take us back a bit about growing up in Jersey and kind of what led you into becoming a serious chef? Oh, serious. Serious. Wow. I mean, <clears throat> as far as I can remember, as long as I can remember, I've always been interested in food and uh, always had the ability to sort of conjure the the taste of something that I ate years ago. Not every single thing, but things that stand out. Like I can still taste. I was recently making a strawberry rhubarb pie because it's that time of year. And I can still taste the first time I had it when my grandmother made it. And I was just like, it was life changing for me because it was this balance of sweet and acidity and the texture of the crust and all of that. And I've always been able to sort of remember those things from before I knew how to cook until, thank God, till today. Wow. So then how did you make the decision to go to the CIA? Uh, I I went to regular college and um, didn't love my options after. Like I tried a lot of things and nothing seemed to fit, but I was working in a restaurant that was very successful in New Jersey called Ecola at the time. And there was this guy, Nino, you know, huge personality guy that sort of was like, you know, if you don't learn how to cook, someone else is always going to be running your restaurant. And, and that sort of stuck with me. And he's like, you could be a chef. And then he's like, I'll let you work for free. So I did, I went to work for free for him in the kitchen. And that night I waited tables. And uh, in that time, he was like, you need to go to school to really increase your knowledge. And that's where the whole thing got started. And the CIA was sort of the preeminent school at the time, probably still is. You know, um, they've grown tremendously since then. But it's uh, that was the whole thing. It was like I just needed training in a way that I didn't, I didn't think I could get without it. And so th- did that lead you then into new opportunities or or what was your first job after going so to school? at the cia at the time i think they still do it you have to do an externship what they call right. it where you work outside and um i wanted to work in a, a place that i was inspired by and at the time it was the beginning of this like massive revolution in this country about restaurants and cooking and and all of these exciting restaurants and places like Oriole and Danielle and Lespinas, if you're familiar, and all of that. And so that led me to New York and a lot of um, rejection, honestly. Even though I was willing to work for free, a lot of people were like, nah, you know, you don't have the, the skills, you don't have this, you don't have that. And I was just like very disheartened. But uh, a mutual friend of ours, Georgette Farkas. Yes. Yes. Love George- Georgette. Georgette called me one day and left a message on my answering machine. This is how long ago that was. And said, hey, you know, come to Danielle. We're going to have an interview or whatever. So I went down there and she gave me the whole song and dance. And she was just like, you know, you know, Danielle doesn't pay. It's an investment in your career, all of these things. And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, so, and she invited me to come in and trail. And when I was there, I had trailed all over New York at the, before that, like trail meaning came into the kitchen, spent the day. Um, I had trailed all over and I hadn't seen, I mean, this was like 1994. So I hadn't seen anything like like that, that, like that ever. And I had no idea about New York Times or any of that kind of stuff. I was just like, this place is uh, amazing and the energy. And I was like, I have to be here, even though I didn't really belong there. That was terrible. But you did. You did. Well, eventually, yeah. They let me work for free again. Okay. And uh, after, I don't know, three months, two and a half months of my extern, something like that, Daniel's decided to pay me. And that led to my first job in New York. When I graduated, I went right back there. Yeah. How long were you there? All in three years. Oh, wow. I left and came back. And did you change roles while there or you were yeah I went from working for free and at the end I was a sous chef so (laughs) it was like a big it was a big uh learning curve uh 
I took a year and went to work for John George. And that sort of gave me some perspective and, and you know, Danielle is an amazing, amazing taskmaster. Um, and I don't, I mean that in the positive and negative ways. It's like he is maybe the only person on earth who has ever been able to get that much out of me. Like my effort, my focus, my like everything. And uh, it changed my life for the better. Yeah. I, I mean, what in, I mean to work with for Danielle and, and John George, I mean, incredible incredible places you have on your resume and an experience um the takeaway so what led you to Montrachet then so um I left Danielle and kicked around for a little bit did some consulting out in Jersey went to France came back and when I got back I I really wanted to work at the Duke, Alain Ducasse was the first, he was just coming to New York. I wanted to work there. And I, I trailed there. I trailed there when I was in France. And, um, and I thought, okay, I got it. You know, I'm going to get this job. I go back and the chef at the time, Didier Lena. Didier. Yes. Nice guy. <laughs> Super nice. He's in he, my Chef Wise book too. He was just like, I'm not hiring you. It, you know, in the nicest way, uh, sort of possible and I was just like why he's like because we have too many Danielle people here and he didn't he, he started to feel the influence and he didn't want that and he's like maybe next year or some something and I was a little bit disheartened and so I went to see John George and um he put me up for a few months just like kicking around each of his restaurants where people were missing cooks sous chefs all this stuff he's like go here go there do this do that and it was amazing and in the meantime, uh, Drew needed a chef at Montrachet. And I sort of got turned on to it by this guy, Richard, that wanted the job and ultimately didn't end up taking it. And uh, But he was like, this kid can do it. And I was like, okay. And I was young. I was like 20. I had just turned 27 at the time. Yeah. And um, I just wanted it and I pursued Drew and I called him and all this stuff and uh one day he's just like I want to meet you so come on meet me on a Sunday at one of his restaurants so I went I met him and that was it and then I didn't know like then down the road he tells me and I and I like he hired me on the spot like there's no tasting no like no nothing uh and I was it's very cool. Well, yeah, but <laughs> well, I didn't, very I cool. didn't know, but he told me later that he spoke to Danielle and Danielle spoke highly of me and, okay. and said he can definitely do it and all, all this stuff. Got it. And that's, yeah, that's how I ended up there. And then, wow. I mean, all of that in itself, the experience is just amazing. So you, uh, you were at Montrachet for then three years. Okay. Three years. And then did you in the back of your mind, and I might be jumping ahead too much, think you wanted to open your own restaurant? Was that something, was that a goal or, or when did that come into the picture? Uh, I thought, you know, I, I always wanted my own restaurant. Um, you know, and I always tell people, it's like when you first come to New York, at least at the time, when you first, when I first came to New York, the dream was small, learn some stuff here, go back home to Jersey and, you know, bring your skills back. But then as the longer I stayed, the more I realized that like I can I, I'm good enough to be here. I should pursue it. Yeah. And so the dream just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I got that chef job and, and like I just poured everything into it to make it uh successful and do the best I could. And uh I knew I wanted my own place. I I started to sort of tiptoe into those waters while I was there with some of the customers and people were yeah. approaching me and being like, you know, I maybe it's mean, time. Yeah. So is that how commerce came about? Ultimately, yeah. Uh, I had partnered with some of the guys, um, some customers from Montrachet, and we were going to open a restaurant. Then 9-11 happened and like that we yeah. were not opening a restaurant. Right. But then all the all the attention on, on, I was very fortunate. 
for such a shitty circumstance. Sorry, are you allowed to say that? But, yes. Okay. It was ter- you know, 9-11, I'm sorry, it was terrible, shitty, but yes, terrible, yes, terrible. Exactly. We were a few blocks away from World Trade. Drew was super heavily involved, had mm-hmm. us all working and cooking for, you know, days until the Red Cross came. And um, then when we turned the lights back on a few weeks later, the world started to turn out and wanted to support restaurants downtown. And that's ultimately between the Drew PR machine and the circumstances and the location, how the world started paying attention to my cooking. And, um, you know, it all just sort of grew from there. And that's how commerce was born. Um, it ultimately, my business partner at commerce was Drew's silent partner at Montrachet, this guy, Tony Zazula. I didn't know all this connection. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of drama behind all that, but it's um, it you know it, I never looked back because Tony and I had this work relationship that was was very good because you know Drew has always been Drew like or as far as I know him, busy guy, many restaurants, yeah. tremendous personality, yeah, good front of house guy, like maybe the best of his era and all of that, like the maitre d person and. Um, and he had uh, tremendous insights about things. And um, Tony was the one who managed me on the day-to-day in terms of like, your food cost is high or we got to cut labor or, you know, let's expand the menu or maybe you need to raise prices. Like really taught me the business side of the business and encouraged me on the art, on the artistic side to really express myself and to to like really get in there. And so... To Tony, I owe him a tremendous amount. To Drew, the same. I, I mean, these guys really sort of plucked me from obscurity and made me, uh, gave me a platform to become whatever I was going to become. Harold Moore. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you were, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. the name, the chef, the the, mm-hmm. the on the on the jacket. So, um, so commerce, which beloved restaurant. I loved it. It was neighborhood. It was just special. Um, what was it like being a chef owner versus, I mean, did you enjoy that versus being just the chef in charge? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what I wanted. Right. So you get what you deserve, I guess. But yeah, uh, but yeah, I, but uh, yeah, I wonder, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I cooked a little bit, but I never was, you know, a chef leading a kitchen. I've never been an owner of a restaurant. And so, but I feel from, you know, the dynamic or the responsibility of being chef owner versus, you know, chef in charge of the kitchen is obviously different. It's definitely different. It it does change um, the way you look at the business and and everything. And, and, and Sirio Maccioni once time said that, being an owner sort of ruins a chef. And I don't know if that's 100% true, but it certainly changed the way I thought about the yeah. products I was using, the things like the, instead of business. just trying to make yeah. the most delicious food possible, I started thinking differently about the customer experience. When I was just the chef, all I cared about was what was on the plate. And then when I had the restaurant, it was started to be like, all right, well, that has to be good too. But how does it fit into the atmosphere, the service, the way that we perform, all of those things? And it, it just, the picture gets so much bigger when you're the chef owner, if you want to be a responsible partner. And I I knew that whatever happened, I didn't want to go out of business. Like I, I knew that I had my first restaurant and this thing needed to succeed. And so I wasn't just going to uh, cook the best that I could. I was going to lead and manage and and try to you know, transform myself from this naive person that's like, oh, I'll go in the restaurant business to someone who's like, okay, I can do the restaurant business. Different. It's a different thing. Yeah. No, I get that. So what, so the run, you have a, you had a really good run at Commerce. Mm-hmm. It closed in what, when? I don't remember. 15 maybe. Okay. And what, how, what was that? I mean, what was that like for you? I was it? It was hard. It was hard. We had years worth of legal battles with the landlord um, over small issues. Essentially, space in the basement is what, and a legal technicality is what got us out. Um, You know, New York is a tough place, and it was a good lesson. And 
and all of that stuff and and about like litigation is just it's a loser for everybody yeah and then the other side is that you know i i believe that things are meant to be and so in order for me to grow maybe commerce had to go you know what i mean like yeah for me yeah but you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube it's gone so we're we're here we are that's a good one <laughs> and true and and i mean i've always enjoyed your cooking and Thank knowing you. you and and the concepts that you've from Harold Meat and Three, and um, do I say it wrong? I say Pierre Lapin. Lapin. That means rabbit. Yeah. But, so Pierre Lapin is Peter Rabbit in the uh, I that. in the uh, nursery rhyme school type stories. Yeah. So what I mean, your I don't know takeaways from those experiences that I mean. I mean, Harold's was. Oh, supposed to be open at the same time as commerce. So I wanted to do something different because they were ultimately geographically kind of close together. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want us to rob one customer to please another. Cause I've seen that before when like I seen, I saw it with Drew's restaurants. He had all these restaurants in Tribeca at the time and they were all successful, but the customers had their favorites if, and if they were similar, it, it was tough. Like between Montrachet and Tribeca Grill, we're always like sort of stealing customers from each other. Nobu yeah. was its own animal, so you didn't have to worry. And then the other thing, Layla and all of that, it was a, a different cuisine. So it, it Nobu and Layla sort of inspired me to do something different where like it's a different kind right. of dining experience. So yeah, it was different. Yeah, I could see that. And they were both, they were all... I don't know. Even well, my my tip today. I saw something in an old interview with with uh, of yours talking mm -hmm. about un that it didn't have to be fancy to be good. So oh well, yeah, um, that's that's true. I, <laughs> I believe that's true. So, but but your food, I feel from the experiences. I mean, not I, I don't know. Some of these we're, we've been talking about. Some of these places are, or at least the places you got experience were pretty fancy. Yes. At that time in my life, I, I believed that the only food worth eating was fancy. And then as I got older, things changed. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I got to sort of see it in a different way. And I think John George is ultimately responsible for that with me. Like, you know, John George food, people say it's fancy and whatever, but it's really... It's clean. It's, it's, there's a simplicity to his plating. There's... There's uh, an honesty to the whole thing, but mostly when you put that food in your mouth, you're like, oh my God, like this is, you know, the best whatever. And he did that from the John George level and I opened Mercer Kitchen for him and it was the same, like this flavors and intensity and this concentration on the best quality things, maybe not the most expensive things, but the best quality things that we can make serve whatever, as fresh as possible. And uh, that really that really sort of stuck with me. And I lean that way mostly today. Yeah. So well, speaking of today, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing today with Charlie Palmer Collective. Yes. You've, you've been with Charlie now for a couple years? Almost four years. Okay. That's awesome. Um, I've met him before. I don't know him super well, but I've been to... I'm due to come back in to your restaurants. Yeah, um, But he has, he has a bit, should we call it? Is it an empire? Uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot of locations. He, he does. Charlie is an excellent chef, a tremendous business person. He's probably the most sort of balanced chef that I've ever worked with. Like he, he, he works a lot. Don't get me wrong. But he yeah. also has balance in his life. Like he's a very solid family man. He he works his like 10, 12 hours a day and then balances it with activities and, you know, dining and downtime more than, better than I should say, the other chefs that I've been around. So it was a good lesson for me. He he really, like he managed the family side of this business really well. And I, I, I appreciate that about him. Yeah, so well, that's that's very nice and good to know. What so? What does your role entail now? 
Like what, do you, um, what do you actually do? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, Charlie asks me the same thing all the time. What do you actually do? No. Um, I essentially handle the day-to-day issues of the chefs for Charlie. So menu edits and pricing and the money and the labor and all of that so that he has time to focus on the things that are important to him. Like he's trying to get, uh, besides just the restaurants, like he handles a lot of the business side too. So like in DC, he's working on, you know, a new lease and the way that we're going to operate the rooftop down there and all of this stuff. In addition to when he comes to town, like the food has to be good and the food has to be good is my problem. You know, like, and there's things like he wants this, he wants that. This is part of Charlie's style. Like we have to do that. No problem. But I don't, my job is to like clear up the noise so that he can sort of come in and make really fine adjustments to get it to where he thinks it needs to be. It sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) To, To varying degrees of success, I should say. Well, where do you, where do you mostly work from? Which kitchen? Uh, mostly from the steakhouse on 42nd street. Okay. Uh, before that we were managing this, um, this, this like corporate cafeteria thing that took up a, the lion's share of my time, but now we're solely focused on the restaurants. Yeah. Well, and thank God. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I know he's, he's got a couple in New York. He's out, mm-hmm. out in, in Napa or that parts of yeah, California. Yeah. And he- Healdsburg, right? Healdsburg, uh, Napa, Reno. That's Nevada, right? Reno's Nevada. I think it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe coming back to Las Vegas. So we'll see. Very cool. Well, um, yeah, I'm due to come in. I'm coming in soon. So let me ask you my question for my last guest. On episode 359, I had on Chris Moon. He's the president and chief operating officer at the James Beard Foundation. And he would like to know, as a firm believer that even when you're in a leadership position, that you can learn from the people that report to you is significant. Well, he said what you can learn from the people that report to you is significant. What is the greatest lesson that you have learned from someone who has reported to you? And he also noted that you've had an amazing career. Thank you. I, you know, uh, that's not a new thing for me and I, and I don't say it like in a way that's like oh I've always been this amazing leader because that's not the case but I always try to break everything down to food when I travel I talk to the cab drivers you know to like what are you eating where's the best place to go all of that and you know I work with a lot of Mexican people right now and you know they cook Charlie's food my food all of that stuff but the getting to the root like Like, what can, like, what is this like for you? Can you, what are you making? They make tremendous staff meals and all of this stuff. There's one uh, lady rolls tortillas every day and cooks them. And I turn the other way because I know that we're not supposed to, Charlie doesn't want to pay for that, you know, the hour that it takes her to do it. But anyway, it's, uh, (laughs) the tortillas are amazing. (laughs) Like, and they all, they all have their own story to tell from the different regions of Mexico. And then there's other spots that people are from. One guy is from Peru, another guy's from Colombia. Like they, they all have something to offer, like in terms of like how to do something, how something should taste, the acidity levels of different things. And I, I feel like from the food side, I'm fairly open, very open, honestly, to new ideas, especially when it comes to saucing and all of that. Like these guys have a completely different perspective, like Mexican cooking, like true Mexican cooking is a completely different animal than Western French based cooking. And the way they do stuff, you don't like, sometimes I'm just like, Oh, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And then when I put it in my mouth, I'm just like, Oh my God, now I need to know. So it's, it's a lot of that. I, I feel like there's that. And then, I remember I learned this from uh, – at Commerce, there was a girl. I will not say her name. I found her downstairs crying one day. And, like, I think it was, like, post-service on, like, a Wednesday or Thursday night. It was late. Almost everybody had gone just wrapping it up the whatever. And I was like, hey, what's going on? She's like, the work's too hard. I'm dying. Commerce was a, a great restaurant, but the kitchen was small and it was hot. 
and we were busy and I wanted everything fresh every day. And it was like a whole, it was a struggle. Honestly, it was a struggle to keep up with the volume. Once yeah. we, once we crossed a certain threshold of volume, it was just like yeah. a, a tremendous amount of work. And, uh, and I was just like, I was from that old school where it's just like, well, you just go harder. You make more, you know, like, well, in my mind, I didn't say that to her. And, uh, it, it, this girl had poured everything into this job. She'd moved here from, I forget where, but not the tri-state area. Right. And came to work with us and gave this job everything. And I was breaking her in a way that, you know, didn't feel good. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't like she wasn't working hard. It wasn't, it was just a function of the business. And then that led me to believe that we needed like one more prep person, or maybe it was two. I don't really remember anymore. But that, that, that moment in time sort of shifted things at Commerce too, because now I hired somebody else, not that day, but soon. I hired someone else not to do her job, and she ultimately ended up staying but to, to carry some of the weight so that the cooks were fresher when they came into the service. And it's sort of intangible, but that extra person made it so that we could do more covers. We could go faster. We could, the, the people were a little bit more fresh. They didn't feel so stressed out when they came to work because they knew at least the service might be a shit show and stressful and whatever, but at least the mise en place was there and ready and like, the minimum, like they could come in and, and get set up and, and, and have it be a more fruitful environment. And ultimately, like that led to this whole thing where I, I really need to be around happy people. And, and that, that is the difference. Now today, like 2023, I haven't been to a kitchen where there aren't happy people. I mean, I'm sure they exist. Believe me. I worked in plenty <laughs> of them. But, you know, young people... Right or wrong, young people don't want to work that hard. Like, there's a sort of, in this industry, a badge of honor uh, associated with sacrifice and uh, putting everything else ahead of your personal needs and all of that stuff. And, I, you know, I'm guilty of it, believe me. I've left a lot of casualties on the side of the road. But it, it's, it doesn't feel good, you know? And today, kids are just, like, not having it. And like, there's a little bit of pushback and I, I felt like, you know, it's, it's fucked up. Kids don't want to wear it, blah, blah, blah. And you can be that old man if you want, but whoever like Danielle, I'm sure said the same shit about me when, you know, when I was young, like they don't work hard enough and all of these things. And so the, the moral of my story is that that incident with the girl is, is sort of transformed the way that. I want to manage and the way I've been managing since, which is like try to create this environment of, of harmony balanced with commerce and, you know, you, you can reach higher heights. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing all that. No, it was a great story and how it impacted you and changed, changed, changed things. And um, yeah, there is, there's, I think there's also a shift going on all around in the industry with, cause we've talked about, uh, that we are around the same age. I might be a wee bit older, mm. tiny, tiny bit older. But um, I grew up, I, I mean, I, I, you know, in the same, same era and how restaurants were run and what's happening today with just more work-life balance or just understanding and just, as you said, with people maybe not wanting to put in those grueling hours the same ways they might have 20 years ago. But, um, yeah, it's... Um, it's 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 interesting and cool i think how things happen in life that really you like you wouldn't know they were going to you were going to see this girl and you were going to have this impact you or you know change change the way you think about things and that's life you know mm -hmm. that is life so before we take a little break just one one more question what is you kind of given it, but, uh, but what's your, what's your main chef advice for anyone listening? Because I have this book out, you know, on chef advice. I want to know. Cook, advice on cooking or advice for chefs, which. I'd say either or, but advice for chefs, but you can answer it however you uh, want. My advice for chefs uh, is 
no matter what it is, at all levels of your career, including mine, the, you know, here I am, close to the end, right? So my advice is that no matter what it is, to be patient and really try to absorb and learn as much as possible from the situation that you're in, the environments that you're in, before you, you jump to that next thing, that next step, the next job, whatever it is. So if you're a Comey and you're just starting out, like own the job and master it before you move to the next level. And when you're the chef, you know, own that part of it. Because when you become the chef and the owner, like that, that cooking side becomes the 30 to 40% of your day. And then you're saddled with the other stuff. And so, you know, when before you open rest, restaurant number two, you know, make sure that number one is really doing well and you have a, a very solid team to work with because that ultimately will decide the fate of the second restaurant. If, the, if you know, if you, you can't be in two weddings, you know, you can't have your ass at two weddings or some story. So you need to, like to develop, uh, <laughs> you need to develop that team and, and take your time and make sure that, um, everything is running as good as it, it can be. Uh, and that opportunity will come. Sometimes you have to say no. That's good advice. And then I have to also ask, um, would you, would you, could you want to be a chef owner again? I, I think, I think so. I think, um, you know, whether that's in conjunction with Charlie, like we've been talking about, or, some other way that the nice thing about working with Charlie is that, you know, he doesn't necessarily want to keep me in a box and um, I may have to step back or down mm -hmm. from my chief culinary officer role and just focus on one or two of his restaurants and then the rest on my stuff or, or whatever. We haven't really figured that part of it out yet, but he, you know, he wants his company to grow. He realizes that not everybody can grow under his brand, you know, like, my last name's not Palmer, so, you know, there's, yeah. there's a, yeah. there, you know, there's a natural succession to things. He's got two sons, but he also is a very fair guy. And um, I think we've, we've had conversations where I can use, like, use his infrastructure to sort of alleviate some of the day-to-day -day pressure on a singly operated restaurant and, you know, grow my own brand on the side. So I feel like, you know, that's... That's probably on the horizon and, um, you know, to go back into the, the fire again, I, I, I do, I love my job. I just feel that connection with the customer. I miss it sometimes, you know, like, you know, yeah. when you have your, your place and you're there every day and all of that, you, you, you form relationships, you, you fall into a rhythm and, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see. Stay tuned. All good. Okay, on that note, let's take a little break. We'll come back. We'll play my speed round, talk some industry news. I have my solo dining experience and the final question. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Here at the Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Harold Moore. He's the Chief Culinary Officer for Charlie Palmer Collective. Guess what, Harold? It's time for my speed round. Amazing. 
<laughs> Amazing. I think you're going to be great at this. So I'm going to name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Here we go. Ready? Ready. Okay. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant? Home. Indoor dining or alfresco dining? Indoor. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? Oh, a la carte every time. Okay. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Oh. Chef's counter. I love me a chef's counter. Not, not like I don't like communal table, but that's my choice. Okay, a few more. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I like tipping, but I'm a good tipper. So Because you you know and you're in the industry and yeah. you're nice. Uh, and the all-inclusive <laughs> charge, you know, it, it's a tough sell to the customer on the business side. So I don't know. That one, that one stumps people a bit. Cooking steak or baking a cake? Baking a cake. You're damn good at baking a cake. Not to say you're not damn good at cooking a steak. But no, thank you. Your, your cake, I have to just tell the world, epic coconut cake, tiered. It was the highlight of my party. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. And I did not eat at my party. <laughs> but luckily, people saved me some leftover cake, and I was able to enjoy it at home. And really, it was amazing. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Last three. Instagram stories, posts, or reels? Uh, reels. The more you know. Yeah, that's it. The more you know. I love it. It's funny. It's good. I don't know how you uh, tell us how you came up with that, but that's like your kind of your your shtick. Um, you know, I I started working with with a guy that does that for a living, and he pitched me, and he's like, "You should do something funny," and he's like, "Let's tag it the more you know," and that's how it kind of got started. It's good. I I. I don't think you're stopping, but I can encourage you to oh, keep thank doing you, thank it. You. It's it, they're, they're very good. Okay. Cheese plate or dessert? That, that one's hard. <laughs> um, s- cheese plate. Okay. I thought I was going to get a both right there. You went with the cheese. Oh, you said I had to pick. Well, you did have to pick. You can break the rules, though. If something is but- amazing... Like if like the waiter, waitress, however you want to say, is very enthusiastic about whatever, coconut cake or yeah, something. Yeah. And it's like I you have to try this. Yes. Excellent cheese plate, you know, where they care about it. Uh, it's hard for me to say no. Yeah. Okay, last one is Manhattan or Brooklyn. Ah, uh, that's tough. I mean, I've been a Manhattan guy for forever, but the most interesting food happening in New York at the moment is happening in Brooklyn. Yeah, well, that's uh, this is something for Brooklyn. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're in Brooklyn now. Yes. Well, cool. That's the game. That's it. That's it. Fantastic. You win. Oh. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, so for industry news, I had two two events to we could talk about and the first i'm gonna i'm gonna get into this more um more in a in an upcoming episode on the james beard awards because i was just there last week covering it for this show i did red carpet interviews for the third time you saw Mm. me there yeah it's it was fun it was exciting best third time best weather this year first year was freezing second year was hot third Got it just, just right. right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And it was very exciting to be there. So article was uh, about the James Beard Award winners of 2023. And um, 
It was, uh, I don't know, Philadelphia did did really well. There was uh, Ellen Yin, uh, who's a friend, she's been on the show. She has High Street Hospitality Group, and she won a standing restaurateur. And um, in New York City, J.P. Park from Automix took home the best chef New York State. He's in my book, and I love him. And Elia, they're amazing. They were there. Um it was it was very exciting, and in the emerging chef went to Damar Brown, who I'm going to talk about in a little bit with my solo dining experience. So you'll hear more about that um, in his restaurant. Uh, he's at Virtue in Chicago. So, um, any take on this? Do you did you follow along? Uh, you know, I I have I I did follow along, and everybody in this industry works extremely hard, and there's a everyone must possess a sort of generosity of spirit to be in the thing. I feel like James Beard is sort of trying to rewrite the landscape and that's on their mission. They're not trying to, they are like all in on it. And I don't hate it. I I just think there has to be some level of fairness uh, for everybody. And, you know, how did he get there? God knows. I have no idea. But the, I do know this, that the High Street Hospitality Group is very, very good. And if you look at all the things that sort of won, the things meaning restaurants, not mm-hmm. people, um, there's a, there's an, I want to say, anti-big city New York, San Francisco, LA-ness about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like it has, you know, it all comes back to sort of real estate in a way. Like the higher the rent is, the less chance you can take you have to do tremendous volume. These other restaurants like Adamix and those places in Philadelphia, they don't do a ton of covers, but they do something right. Like they they capture a moment. So, you know, I don't know what the right answer is, but, you know, they're on to something, these James Beard people. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I like, I'm all for celebrating the industry and celebrating chefs. And you guys work so hard and it's not, an easy business and so being a part of it I find exciting and celebrate and but there is it's there's been a shift especially I mean I've been going to the wards since as long as I can remember and um we'll see yeah we'll kind of see what the future holds but um it was it was a good time to be there and some you know people I'm familiar with and then people in parts of the yeah in parts of the country and different regions that I wasn't as familiar with. So, um, yeah. All cooking excellent food. So it's yeah. a win, you know? And passionate, very passionate about, I mean, it was a full, it was the, the media awards, the leadership awards, the restaurant chef awards. I mean, it was like, a, they pack it in and over a weekend in Chicago. So, um, but uh, stay tuned. I My coverage they did from the red carpet and then I did some interviews with winners um, Maybe downstairs. you're going to be a nominee next year. You never know. It's possible. You never know. I don't know. It's uh, we'll see. <laughs> okay. So, and the other part of industry news, um, I just picked out from it was on ABC Seven about how City Harvest hosts fourth annual golf tournament, and this was an event I was at. Harold was at too. Uh, it took place on May eighth at the Alpine. Country Club, and this is was the fourth annual Celebrity Chefs and Friends Golf and Tennis Tournament benefiting City Harvest, and Carlitz and Company and Herb Carlitz put this whole big day together, and it was was my first time going, and it was pretty pretty amazing. Talk about weather! Oh, um, great weather that, <laughs> that weather that day beautiful. was like perfect day, yeah. and it was such a it was really it was fun. I mean, it was the Chefs started in the morning. Uh, it was a whole golf thing going on, the whole tennis thing going on. Um, amazing reception food, which you were, what were you, what were you, what were you cooking there? We made, um, I, I got this beautiful pork collar from the porcelain pig thing that they do at D'Artagnan. comes out of Canada, and it's just a, an amazing piece of meat. And we turned it, marinated it in that, like, if you've ever had... Um, you know, uh, the typical American Chinese spare rib situation. Yeah, like I it's have. a little bit red and all of that. So we marinated it in that and, and cooked it and turned and used little Hawaiian, those King's Hawaiian rolls that are like 
Yeah. So delicious. And I like some those. spicy mayo and like a crunchy wasabi slaw was delicious. And then the, you ate all that together. It was a good, it was a good bite. Um, and, you know, there was just like good food across the board there that night. Like really good stuff. Yeah. But you didn't, you didn't play, right? Or did you? No, I told her, but I was like, listen, you know, you, you have a nice <laughs> golf course here. You don't want me out there with clubs. Believe me. Well, I, a highlight for me was I got to drive around. They gave me a cart. Because oh, nice. I was I was working I was working with Herb on the PR for the event, and um, so I got a cart, and then I was offering rides, and Jonathan Waxman took me up on it. <laughs> He's like, "Sure, let's go for a ride." So I I after this towards the end of the day, I apparently knew my way around and was giving tours of the golf oh, wow. uh, property. That's nice. Um, yeah, it was pretty fun, and it was it was a great day. It was great to be a part of. So I have two interviews, actually, that I did while I was there um, that we're going to play back. Uh, I spoke with the tennis chair, who is Carrie Heffernan from Grand Banks, and um, I've been – I recently just went back to Grand Banks. I usually – Try to go every season. Um, it's it's if you don't know what it is, it's um, it's a, a boat, a schooner they have that's docked um, in the Hudson River down in Tribeca, and it's just an it's basically an oyster seafood heaven. Boat. So fun! It's so, so fun, and you're on the water and beautiful day. You can't go wrong. I've talked about it on a solo dining experience. I look back on episode 28, so I've been going to this for a long time. But and Carrie is the chef there, and he also they have a few other spots too that have like new versions of Grand Banks as Pilot and um, Island Oyster, and so so I have an interview with him from there talking about the event, and then after that I'm going to play back an interview I did with Buddha Lowe from Huso in New York City, which unfortunately is closed right now because they had some fire incident. Oh. He talks about it in the interview. Um, it was, no one was, it was, I think, electrical or okay. something. It was, no one no one was injured, no one was there, but um, one Thank of those God. unfortunate mm-hmm. things. But he, he, when we did the interview, I knew he was, he won Top Chef in season 19, the Houston episode, but he was, on Top Chef World All-Stars, which announced like a week ago that he won. So he's the first back-to-back winner of Top Chef. Good for him. Yeah. Super nice guy. Both very nice guys. So so we're going to play that back now and hear, you'll hear more about um, the golf and tennis tournament and what they are up to. It's, they're both, they're pretty short segments and then we'll come back and I'll have my solo dining experience and the final question. So here you go. Well, hello. I'm here with Carrie Heffernan, and we are at the Alpine Country Club on the most beautiful day. Did you call in this weather? I did my best. I called in every favor. <laughs> well, nice job. Nice job. So so we're here at the Celebrity Chefs and Friends Golf and Tennis Tournament, and this is the fourth annual, well, I think skipped a year. Um, yeah, at least fourth four. One. Yeah, at least four. At least yeah. four. So, um What's your what's been your involvement? I know you are heading the tennis. So I've been the tennis chair for the last three years, uh, Simon Kim and I, and we can't do it without the support of a lot of great people. Uh, this year, Jeffrey Sakarian really stepped up the plate and got Gigi uh, Fernandez here, so that's super exciting. Um, we have a great participation, great chefs, some really high level play, a lot of fun. So why did you get involved in this event? Well, anything for City Harvest, you know, I'm, I'm certainly thrilled and excited to help for. But if it means getting people together on a beautiful day to play tennis and, you know, do even more good, that's, that's a win-win-win. Yes, and it's, it's, so, it's been so much fun being here with the tennis and the golf. And the, the food program, I have to say, is quite spectacular as well. And drinks. The food, you, you, have you seen the... Have you been well, here before? Well, I've been, this is my first year, but I've, I was privileged to have a golf cart today and get to go a, around a bit and see the activations and the different things happening at different, different holes on the golf course, as well as the breakfast this morning and what's happening soon at the reception. Well, nothing can repay you for this reception. <laughs> it is the most insane. It, it's the most, and I, we do these things all the time. This is the most ridiculous food you will ever see. There is so much great food. It is just over the top. It, I, I wish we had more just, you know, dinner guests, I guess you'd call them, because 
food alone, this is absolutely worth the trip. Yeah, I agree. It's a beautiful property, and the food all day has been wonderful. I can't wait for the reception. Are you, is your restaurant doing something tonight? Yeah, we're doing oysters and caviar. One ah. of the dishes we do at Holy Water that we're very proud of, so we're very excited. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Any any final thoughts? How's, how's, how's the tennis been today? Tennis has been good. High level of competition, you know, a lot of energy, a lot of good play. Um, it's pretty much all we could ask for. No injuries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds perfect. Well, thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. Hi, I'm here with Buddha Lowe at the Golf and Tennis Tournament at the Alpine Country Club with celebrity chefs and friends. So, hi. Hey, it's nice to be here. <laughs> I haven't been here before, so it's been really cool to check everything out and play some tennis. Yeah, so this is your first year. So why did you decide to get involved? Uh, well, it's, I love tennis and I love, you know, being a part of all these different events and stuff like that. It's very, very new to me. So really, really enjoying it. Just any excuse to come out and also get behind City Harvest as well. Such an important cause. So uh, it's been it's an all round no brainer to come come out and check and see what's 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 all about. Yeah, well, it's my first time here, too, and I am a tennis player, so oh, maybe okay. next year I'll get on the court. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I need some practice, but we'll get that. <laughs> well, it just has looked like it's been such a fun day and yeah. seeing everyone come together um, and outstanding weather. Yeah. So, And you're tonight at the reception. Are you cooking? Yes, I'm cooking. Uh, I'll be doing a little small canapé. Um, in, in the reception, it's going to be 51 other vendors, so it's going to be amazing to see everyone else's food. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, and do you get recognized a lot from Top Chef? I get recognized quite a bit, um, especially whenever I go out and about. I know that I'm going to get recognized somewhere, but that's fine. They're all foodies, and they love food, and that's what's like amazing about it, is that everyone shares a passion. If you, they track you down, they know who you are. And they're really interested in food, so I'm always all about that. I, you know, very recently, I'm still one of those people. I'll track down people. I saw Helen DeRose, you know, the other month walking by herself at the Union Square Market, and I chased her down for a photo. So, yeah. Uh, well, for people who don't know, you won. Which season was it? Season 19. I won, okay. I won Top Chef season 19, and I'm currently on the Top Chef World All Stars on season 20 right now. Very exciting. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. No, that's that's amazing. Congratulations. Um, before I let you go, what's what's happening with your restaurant status? I know you had a, a little bit of fire, which I read about, and I felt horrible. Yeah, so it's a small electrical fire that happened. Uh, just It happened near the caviar fridge, so that's why we need to get, um, oh. get all of our insurance <laughs> back up. So, you know, all that sort of stuff. As a chef, you're able to pull miracles out of, like, thin air. But when it comes to things that are out of your control, uh, you just got to really understand the process and just be patient. Um, but it's it's coming well, coming, the comeback's been really good. Um, it's only been a month and a half out. We shouldn't be too long um, because now the insurance cleared up. We just need to go grab some parts. And once all the pieces of the puzzle come together, we should be able to be open up again. Well, I look forward to coming in when you're reopening up. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm sorry about that. No. but. All things good ahead, hoping yeah, the best exactly. for you and continue your success. Yeah, of course, you know, most importantly, no one got harmed and just need to stay positive and um, just enjoy enjoy the time, enjoy every moment. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Well, so nice to see you. All right. And, thank um, you for having thank me. you. Welcome back to All in the Industry <laughs> on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is time for my solo dining experience. So this week, it's at Virtue Restaurant and Bar. Here's the rundown. The location, 1462 East 53rd Street in Hyde Park, Chicago, Illinois. The concept, it's an American Southern kitchen that leads with a culture of hospitality and kindness. The chef and owner, James Beard Award-winning chef Eric Williams. He had won in 2022 for Best Chef Great Lakes. And um, this year... James Beard Award-winning chef de cuisine is Damar Brown, who I mentioned earlier, and he won for Emerging Chef. So why'd I go? Well, I've met Eric at several events, and uh, I interviewed him actually last year after he had won, and I always heard amazing things about this restaurant. I always wanted to go. So my experience, 
I snuck in an early dinner because I was going to the media ward. So I um, I went at four o'clock when they opened and it was already starting to get, get busy. Um, it's a, it's located up at Hyde Park, which is a little outside the, the center of like downtown uh, Chicago. Uh, so I hadn't been up to that neighborhood. It was cool. It was a lot happening there. It was lovely. Um, so I had my reservation for one. I was warmly greeted. I sat at the big cat looking over like the kitchen, open kitchen on the other side of the dining room. I had the most amazing server. His name was, his name was Joe. Um, took wonderful care of me. I asked for his recommendations. He really guided me along. And um, I saw Damar, you know, working on the line. And Eric came in at the end and I saw him and had some leftovers because I overordered, but it was all great. So what did I get? So the menus divided between small rations, large large rations, and extra rations. I had the small gumbo, chicken, andouille, sausage, Carolina gold rice, came with that or in that. Uh, large, I had the blackened catfish, also with Carolina, Carolina gold rice, barbecue carrots. Um, they sent me out collards and smoked turkey for dessert. I went with this carrot cake with cream cheese ice, icing and salted caramel and ginger crumble. And I got a non-alcoholic drink um, in their alcohol-free section. And it was a Sorel Fizz with hibiscus, rosemary, vanilla, and sparkling water. Oh, and also I'll mention, because I didn't have it that night, the next day I went to the Leadership Awards and Eric was the chef. And I was I had his cooking there and he... And most amazing is biscuits with preserves and house butter. So um, that was delicious. And my take of my whole meal, I have to say, I don't eat gumbo all that much, but wow, gumbo, get the gumbo. (laughs) Seriously delicious. The whole meal was, I mean, also catfish. I don't eat that, that often or collards. It was carrot cake. I mean, everything was really, really wonderful. And I could see why this restaurant has been so well received and received so many accolades. Uh, so the ambiance, it's a, it's a welcoming kind of casual, but modern dining room. It has lots of natural light, um, with the open windows along the streets on a corner. It's a separate bar area. And, um, as I said, it had open kitchen, Perfect for Southern food cravings. I would say mostly for, I would say sharing would be good because I had more than I could eat. Interesting tidbit. Uh, not only did Damar win the James Beard Emerging Chef Award, but he made it to the final four on Bravo's Top Chef Houston and was voted fan favorite. And he was named Food & Wine Best New Chef in America in September 2022. Personal fun fact, when I was there and leaving and I saw Eric, I also ran into Belinda Chang, who lives in Chicago and works in the industry. And Belinda and I know each other from my days at Charlie Trotter's 1997 uh, when uh, I we were both servers. She wasn't even a sommelier back then. She's a sommelier now. Um, and when she mentioned it was one of her favorite spots, going to Virtue, always there. Okay, so the cost of the meal, my meal, was $53, not including tax and gratuity. Um, there was... Uh, they gave me a 15% industry discount on it, and they did comp um, the the ones um, the uh, collards and smoked turkey dish. So and then so it was a little comp, but also I just like noticing this when I travel different things restaurants are doing. They had a 3.5% insurance and benefits charge they put on the bill. So um, it's interesting. Don't mind any of this. It's just uh, kind of reporting the facts. When I go back, yes, the website is virtuerestaurant.com, Instagram at virtuerestaurant, C-H-I for Chicago. There you go. Virtue, have you been? Have you been to Chicago? I was just in Chicago know, a few months ago. Uh, have not been that far out. It was a quick weekender. So Yeah. This, is, this was a good 15-minute Uber ride. From let's say the West Loop or downtown Lake Michigan Avenue, but um, worthwhile. Worthwhile, yeah, yeah. And it's um, it's not in my head. I thought it was almost going to be like a standalone restaurant. You know, sometimes I go to restaurants, there's like nothing else really around them. But this was not. This was like a neighborhood, 
like it was a sweet greens, you know, there was oh, like hmm. things happening on this block. It was very, if I had more time, I would have like walked around and kind of gotten, gotten to know it better. Well, but um, I'm glad time. I made it. So Next time. Next time. Okay, so it's time for the final question. My next guest is Adam Reese. He's the owner of Adam Reese Company, and he focuses on strategic financial consulting, business plans, openings, and industry investments. Adam is also a partner of two restaurants, Itani Ramen in Oakland, California, and Crew in Brooklyn, which I recently went to. It was awesome modern Thai food. Um, and he's also on Heritage Radio's uh, board. He's our board treasurer. So Harold, can you please ask a question for Adam? Since you're a finance guy, I will say, how, what is the, so there, there's a tried and true sort of formulas for rent, food costs, labor costs, and all of that, that used to be like the gold standard. Like you never wanted in New York anyway. You never wanted more than say seven percent rent. Your labor had to be this, that, thirty. You wanted your labor in the thirties. Your food, your cost of goods less than that. But now that everything is so expensive, what is the new formula for success in restaurants? What What are the percentages look like now? It's a good question. Everyone's going to have to tune into this show because they they need to know. Well, everybody needs to know. Everybody's guessing at this point. Someone must see know. what he says. I mean, yeah, no, I'm. Yeah, he's. That's 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 great. I'm going to find out. Um, thank you. That's the show. Fantastic. It's good being here. Good so nice you. to see you. Same. Same. Nice to see. You. We've known each other a long time. I long time. Don't remember exactly where we met, but I'm glad. Glad we have been in each other's lives, and you've fed me very well, also over thank the years. You. And I wish you much continued success in everything you do. Thank you. This was amazing. So fun. Thank you. Fun too. Like being back. Okay. So thank you. My guest today has been Harold Moore. He's the Chief Culinary Officer for Charlie Palmer Collective. Their website's charliepalmer.com. You can follow Harold. As I said, he's got a great Instagram. He's at at Harold Moore. And the hashtag is the more you know, M-O-O-R-E, like his last name. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My website's BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. My new book is out, ChefWise, Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World by Fiden. You can find it wherever books are sold on Fiden.com, Amazon.com, or your local bookstore. Go check it out. Thanks to my engineer today, Armin. Thanks again to Harold. And um, that's the show. I'm going to be taking a little break. I have my on-the-road shows coming up from the James Beard Awards. I'm also going to have one coming up from the world's 50 best restaurants in Valencia, Spain. Um, So those are coming up. But then my show with Adam will be back uh, after summer in September. So stay tuned for that. I am your host and producer, Sherry Bayer, and thank you, as always, for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.